0: Well, good morning. Be in prayer for Andrew this morning and the church at Union Baptist as they're ordaining two new pastors, Donnie Sanders being one of them and Jeffrey Roberts being the other. So be in prayer for them. Um, I'm excited for both of them and and we have got the fruit of much of Donnie's ministry over our years and how wonderful a deacon and a servant he's been. And now he is becoming an elder and I'm sure he'll be wonderful at that as well. So be in prayer for them. That's where Andrew is and he'll be back uh, next week. But over the next seven weeks, uh, like Andy said, we're going to be preaching on a series on anxiety. And this morning specifically, we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount and, and what I titled the cure for anxiety and this is a sermon preached by jesus and its ultimate point is to teach us how to think rightly in god's kingdom so he often says, well you heard it said but i say to you or he says don't do this because that's what the pagans do but do this instead And so we're picking up here, kind of in the middle of this sermon preached by Jesus. And in this particular section, he says, don't be anxious three times. And really, if you look at the verb context, he says, don't be anxious, stop being anxious, and don't start being anxious. And he repeats this phrase. Jesus teaches us to fear not more than any other command in the Bible. More than he taught on do not kill, do not steal, do not commit adultery. This is the, the main thing that he taught about because he knows our hearts. And if we look around our, our culture today and our current climate, anxiety, fear, mental illness, all these things are, are bubbling up in everybody's lives. And we all struggle with this at various degrees, don't we? And we all have struggled with this in various degrees. And, and Jesus, He knew that. He knew we were all going to struggle with this. And so anxiety is, in its definition, it's an uneasiness of mind or a fearful concern. And at its core, it's control. They're, they're, they're the, uh, two sides of the same coin. We try to control, and or worry necessarily. Worry, it assumes control over the uncontrollable. So when we have something we value in our lives, something we treasure in our lives, and it's being threatened by whatever, and we try to control that, and when we can't, we worry. And it bubbles up. And so we see this... In all age ranges too. If we go over there in the children's ministry right now. My son probably brought a toy. And he values that toy. And if somebody comes to try to steal that toy. He's going to get anxious. And he's going to lash out in anger. And try to protect that toy. Because he thinks he'll never get it back. Students worry about what to wear. what this person will think about us we got to listen to this type of music or if this happens, our whole lives will be ruined. As we get older, we worry about work and we worry about jobs and if we're going to lose our jobs and if we're going to make enough money to support our families. We worry about having a family. We worry about the family and on and on and on. As we get older, we worry about money. Did we have enough? Did we save enough? Are we going to have any left for our family? And then that sometimes we have these certain situations that happen. Certain heightened in the dangers of life. That's really what this last couple of years have been, hasn't it? There's been a heightening to our anxiety. And COVID didn't cause any of us to fear. We were fearful f- before, but it has revealed our fears. Why do we worry? Why do we obsess to the point of anxiety over things? And we all think the easy answer is just point back to those things I mentioned. If those things were taken care of, I would have no anxiety. If there wasn't this mandate, I wouldn't worry If that president or that governor or that whomever didn't say that, I wouldn't have anxiety. If my kids would just act right, I wouldn't have any anxiety. If my job just did this, and we think that's the easy answer. But in this passage, Jesus, addressing the problem with anxiety, instructing us how to think rightly about it, he doesn't say that. He doesn't point to the uncertainties of life and and say, if you fix this, it'll fix that. Rather, he points to something that is certain, and that is our Heavenly Father's care for us. See, anxiety can never be cured by getting more of what we already have. Anxiety can only be cured by the assurance that all of our needs are met by our king. Brothers and sisters, we have plenty of reasons to worry this morning. But we have plenty of better reasons not to worry. And that's what we need to be focused on. In this section, the great physician with clinical precision, he's, he's going to diagnose our problem and he's going to then prescribe to us a care. And so first, on your outline, Jesus' diagnosis. What we treasure enslaves our hearts. What we treasure enslaves our heart. Jesus knows our heart. He's, he's the Word of God. He judges our thoughts. He judges our attitudes and our actions. And, and in this passage, he, he's teaching that, that anxiety can be traced to three factors. The first one is, we sto- we're storing treasures in the wrong place. Verse 19, he begins, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves Treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. See, we will treasure something. By treasure, Jesus is talking about what we value, what we prize. And and God has created us to be value-oriented, to be purpose-motivated beings. And the reason why he did that is so that we would worship him. And so everything we do and everything we say, it's always done in the pursuit of some type of treasure. And so treasures on earth, Jesus says, they can be labeled as things that can be taken away. Anything that can be taken away from us. So money, health, safety, dream marriage, success in business, how our children turn out. These, all these things are temporary. These are earthly things. These are the thorns, the, the cares of this world that, that seem to choke out the good seed that's inside us. In heavenly treasures, on the other hand, these things are things that you can take beyond the grave. So fruits of righteousness, good works, it can be um, uh, uh, holiness and character, obedience to the commandments, souls one for Christ, the making and nurturing of disciples, all these things we can take with us beyond the grave. Now, none of these things we know save us. These are these are God's gifts to us that he he rewards in his grace. But these things are, are the rewards that the New Testament so often talks about, that we will receive a prize in heaven. These are the things it's talking about. And our earthly treasures, all of them, money, health, safety, whatever, is to be used to serve our Father and to store these treasures in heaven. And so, again, God gives us these good gifts to serve Him, and then he rewards us for the way in which we use these. So the first question I'd, I'd like us to think through, what are we treasuring this morning? What in life do you count as important? What in, what in your mind are, is constantly, that you're constantly thinking about? And what Jesus is saying is when we're storing our treasures in the wrong place, that is the beginning of an anxious heart. And So, storing our treasures in the wrong place. The, the second factor he, he begins to talk about is seeing life in the wrong way. Look at verse 22. He says, "...the eye is the lamp of the body." So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Our eyes view all of life, doesn't it? This is where we see beauty. This is where we see color. This is what God has given us to see all of his wonderful creation. And if it's diseased or if it's blind, then the world becomes dim or even dark or, or even very confusing. And, and Jesus is speaking here of the eye of the Spirit. He's speaking of our hearts. He's speaking of our souls. And he's saying, if our souls are filled with darkness, how great is that darkness? And so the world today, it's in darkness the world today, they should be very fearful. They do not know the light of this gospel. It does not shined in them. But you, beloved, you have received the light of the gospel. You have been delivered from darkness. And so the anxiety that grips so many Christians, it's not a they don't have the light of the gospel issue. It's they don't have faith it's that their their faith is being choked their light is being dimmed it's like a flashlight when the when the batteries start running low the light starts getting yellow and fading and it starts flickering with uncertainty that is that is the picture here of the anxious heart in a believer and it doesn't just affect your eyes does it you start Running into things because you didn't see that branch. It starts affecting your whole body and brothers and sisters. If we're gripped by anxiety, it 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 changes the whole direction of your life. It changes your every action, your every word, everything we do. So hear Jesus' words this morning. If you're gripped by anxiety, repent. Turn to him. Quit focusing on the cares of the world. You don't have to carry this. He's already paid for all of this on the cross. He's already fulfilled all of this. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So the first factor is we uh, we have our, we're storing or we have our, I can't get my mind straight here for a second. We're storing treasures in the wrong place. There we go. We're seeing life in the wrong way. And then thirdly, we're serving the wrong kind of master. Jesus says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. If our lives are consumed with having stuff or, or gaining stuff, then we are slaves to those things. And then Jesus is saying, then you cannot be a servant of God. Those two things, they're, they're incompatible. They, they they can't go together. And so God made us for himself. He's a jealous God. He's not going to share us. Now, we try all the time to serve more than one God. You know, we, we try to be slaves to our jobs. We try to be slaves to our, our families. We, we try to be slaves to our, our stuff. And what, so Jesus isn't saying you can't try to serve more than one God. We can and we do. He's saying that every time we do that, that's where tension and anxiety will be. Cause again, God's not going to share us. He says, jealous God. And so, he's saying, quit trying to serve these. You know, when we were unbelievers, we used to do this. Romans one twenty five tells us that we, serve the, we worship the creature rather than the creator. And so, when we get saved, we're being sanctified. Not all that has been removed. We still try to go back to our old ways, don't we? And Jesus is saying, we don't have to do that. He's saying, stop it. You, you don't belong to that world anymore. Put on the new self. Put away the old self. So now, instead of like the world, who they grip all their possessions, they hold on to them like this. They have to protect them. They have to worry about them. As a Christian, we're living our lives like this God, use my money to further glorify you. God, use my children to further glorify you. God use my house to, so that I can be hospitable to uh, the stranger, and so our treasures are never the issue. They're they're morally neuter, neutral. You know, money isn't sin. It's morally neutral. The love of money is a sin. Possessions in and of themselves are not sin. When we love those possessions, they they are, and so. Jesus is saying, Live with your hands like this. And so every time we go to the doctor, they begin by asking us a set of questions, don't they? So that they can make their diagnosis. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's got his own set of questions. Where's your treasure? What's your spiritual vision focused on? Who's your master? What we treasure enslaves our hearts. It controls us. So, Colossians 3 tells us then set your minds on things above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, this is Jesus' diagnosis. And then, next, he's going to give us a prescription. And that is to live in daily dependence on God. See, it's one thing if we know our diagnosis, isn't it? It's one thing to know, uh, don't be anxious, but it's another thing to be cured from it. And Jesus has no no he he doesn't want to just simply talk about what's wrong with us. He wants to provide us with a cure. So he says, "Therefore, do not be anxious." Now, in and of itself, that can't cure anything, can it? In and of itself, that is inadequate. So he puts this do not be anxious in the context of he's wanting us to think through Our Father's care. He's wanting us to consider things. And so we're going to consider five things this morning as we have our minds renewed. The first thing he begins with is the necessities in life. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about the body, what you'll put on—is life not more than food, and the body more than clothing? See, when we when we start worrying, it it becomes the the dominant thought in our mind all the time. It's what we constantly dwell on. It's what we constantly view our life through that lens. And Jesus here, he refocuses our attention. He wants us to uh, rethink and, and, and anxiety. It's all of. We need our minds renewed. We need our hearts changed. He says. He says. Look at the necessities in life. We all know we need food. We all need drink. We all need clothing. Yes, we all need clothing. Those things are part of life. But we would say, all of us would say, that life is more than those things. Now, we don't worry about these things in the same way that even the people Jesus is talking to, they, every day, they didn't know if they were going to eat. They didn't know what they were going to drink. They didn't even know if they were going to wear. We we just uh, open up our fridge, pull out food. If we're thirsty, we can just stick a cup under the water fountain. We have unlimited water. If we want clothes, we just go to our closets, and we have many choices of clothes. And so we don't understand it, this to the extent that they do but we we understand basic necessities we understand we need these things and see one of the things that COVID has done for us is for the first time we're living more day by day i think this is a grace of god in our lives for the first time we're actually praying to him about our tomorrow and trusting him with our day because we were just so easy to plan out months, years. We can't do that anymore, can we? We don't know. I mean, we, it's good to plan out in advance. It's, it's another thing to worry about the things in advance. And so God is, in His grace, He's given us COVID. He's removed that from us. He says, don't be excessively concerned about the necessities in life. Don't do that. And then he gives us a wildlife lesson. He's, he's sitting outside and probably the birds are flying over and the lilies of the field. And, and he says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. They, you don't see them being anxious, They're, they're not, uh, sowing or reaping. Yet your father provides for them. You, you, you don't ever hear birds coming up with a, a strategy of, of how they're going to stay alive. You don't see a bird with a plow, do you? That'd be kind of strange to see. They don't do those things. They're just operating by nature because your father takes care of them. And then look at the, fi- the flowers of the field. When you look out in the springtime, how beautiful is it to look at the spring flowers they didn't wake up that morning and say, "I wonder what I'm going to wear." God just clothed them. He just He just took care of them. And at the each of each of these illustrations, these wildlife illustrations, Jesus asks a question. To, he says, "Are you not more of, of more value than the birds? Will He not much more clothe you than the?" The flowers? And this leads to our second consideration. Your value in life. See, Jesus is arguing from the lesser to the greater. He's, he's saying, if, if X is true, then how much more true will Y be? No flower, no bird was created in the image of God. And even in our rebellion, God sent his son out of his love to die for us on the cross. Not for the flowers, not for the birds. He's right now preparing for us a place in heaven. He adopted us into his family. He sustains the life of a bird how much more will he sustain your life Romans 8:32 says he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things if he provided our greatest need he will provide our basic needs And He does this to to free us from anxiety. So we don't have to dwell on those things. That we can be free to dwell on Him day by day. So let us consider our value as the Lord provides all of our needs. And then third, He says, consider the span of life. He says, who of you, by worrying... Can add a single hour to his span of life? And the obvious answer here is no one can. Matter of fact, at, at best, we can shorten our lives. This worry is connected to all kinds of circulation issues and heart issues and things like that. At, at best, we can shorten our lives, but none of us can add to our lives. Where Our lives are in the Father's hands. He created us in our mother's womb. He keeps us to our last breath. And Job 14 would even tell us that our days are determined and the numbers of his months, he's speaking of man, is with you, God, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. We can't add a single hour to our life. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't exercise or eat healthy or take good advice but that's not to add quantity to our lives that's to add quality so that we will be better able to serve god with our lives and so we're not to worry about this we're not to worry about adding years to our lives that is to distrust god just leave it in his hands just be obedient to him and that's why I think Moses' prayer is so timely. Teach us, in, in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days. Align my will with your will, O Lord. Teach us how to think rightly about our lives and about our deaths. And then, so after we consider our span of life, he says, consider your good measure in life. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom. That's first. That's the most important. And then like an afterthought, he says, your father knows you need all those things, and all these other things will be added to you. In this phrase all these other things will be added to you. It was a it was a, a an ancient phrase. It was a custom of where buyers and sellers used to buy things at the market and sell things at the market. And what would happen is as a as a buyer would come to the seller to buy something, the seller if he was a good and wise seller, he would give them the amount he wanted and then an extra scoop on top. And then that, that, that buyer would leave. And he would say, man, that seller was so good. I'm only going to buy from him. He was such a good seller. That's the, that's the phrase Jesus uses in this section. He, he says, seek first the kingdom, his, his righteousness. He not only will provide everything you need. He's going to give you a little extra on top. He's going to give you overflowing things. So that you keep coming back to Him. That you know that all your needs are are stored up with Him. You'll be taken care of. You'll be given extra too. So don't be so full of anxiety. See, my Father's care for you. And then finally, He says, Consider the grace for life. Closes this section with, Therefore, do not be anxious. And this is the verb phrase that's actually saying, don't start being anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Each day has its own trouble. And basically what Jesus is saying here is that God will send you just the right amount of trouble every day. And then he'll give you just the right amount of grace you need for that trouble So that it will work for your best good. Therefore, don't worry about it. Don't push your fears into the tomorrow. That that would only double them. God gives you the grace each morning. Listen to Lamentations. And we sung this earlier. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new and new. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. Yeah, when we push our fears to the future, we double them because we're not there and we haven't gotten the grace to endure that yet. God says, don't, don't do that. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, worry, worry's a liar. See, worry tells us that our tomorrow is out of control. And that's a lie, because God is already in our tomorrow. Jesus Christ is the the same yesterday, today and forever. He's already there, so we don't have to worry about our tomorrow. God gives you the grace for today's troubles. Like he did yesterday. And all the days before that. He sustained you through that, didn't he? So he put that there, that trial, whatever that trial is, and you might be going through a trial. That's there for your own good and his own glory. So Trust him with it. Don't ask for more trials. Don't ask for less. Just trust him with your today. That he will sustain you. Therefore, don't be anxious. Seek first his, his kingdom and His righteousness. And kingdom means Jesus' rule and His reign. So submit to it. Submit to His rule. Obey His commandments. And this highlights the very, the very uh, peak of the grace of God. Is that the one who's teaching them this... Is the one who's going to the cross because they couldn't keep these commandments. He was given by the Father to be crushed on our behalf. God has provided your every need on the cross, He's given you His Spirit, He's given you His Word. And maybe you're today, maybe your batteries are just running low. He's given you other things as well. He's given you, for one, He's given you prayer. We have confidence, Hebrews says, to go to Him in prayer because of what Jesus did on the cross. He's given us confession. We can go to Him and confess it. He says He'll, he'll cleanse us from all of it. We don't have to carry it. It's not ours to even carry. He's already carried it for you. He's already paid it. And He's given us the gift of repentance to take it to Him. And He says He'll cleanse it too. And then He's also given us each other. He's given us the church. Sometimes we don't look like a gift to one another. But we are. You're a gift to me. And I'm a gift to you. And we each work together to love one another. To encourage one another. To build one another up. And yes, we mess up sometimes. But that's what we were given to each other for. And so often people are running from the church. As soon as something happens. They run. And you watch. None of their anxiety ever goes down. It only goes up, run to your brothers and sisters that God has given to you, confess to them, tell them your troubles, and don't worry what they're going to think about you. That's the anxiety part. Just trust in that God has given you that brother or sister for this this time and so Jesus' words in matthew eleven twenty eight which Andrew will preach next week says, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. Now, most people think that's for the lost. And it can be used for the lost. But Christ is talking to the, his disciples when he writes this. He says, come to me. Are you heavy laden with your troubles? Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So Jesus is the cure for all of our anxiety, isn't he? And brothers and sisters, let's submit to that cure. Let's trust that. Let's confess it to one another. But what, if, what do you do this morning if you're not a child of God? You have every reason then to be fearful. And I pray that you are, because that's a grace of God in your life. You are here this morning. Would you hear his call and turn to him? Would you hear John three sixteen that he, he loved you so much he sent his son? Would you, would you place all your cares on him? Would you trust him with your eternity? Pray that you would today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Father, far too often the cares of this world and anxieties seeks to overcrowd my thoughts and my mind. You've made a way that I I don't have to carry those, Father, so... I just confess those before you, Lord, Would you deliver me from that? Father, and I pray for any of my brothers and sisters out here tonight who or today that are struggling with whatever, give them the grace to, to persevere through today, whatever trial that they may be facing. Your word promises you will. Show them Your way. Show them Your Son, Jesus. Let them know You more and more. Would You comfort them in their trial, Father? Father, and then I pray for any of those who who don't know You. Would, Would they see their sin this morning? Would they turn from that and repent and trust in You for the first time? So that they might understand what true peace is. Lord, let them talk to either a family member, one of us pastors, we'd be glad to talk with them, another brother or sister in the church, Lord, have them have the desire to confess that to others, and to profess their belief in you. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen.